0: Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, episode number 115. With Denise Cooper, the author of the book, Remarkable Leadership Lessons, with 30 years of executive level talent development experience. Hello and welcome back. I'm Andrea Samadi, a former educator who's been fascinated with learning the science behind high performance strategies in school sports in the workplace for the past 20 plus years. I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to introducing you to Denise Cooper. When I first was introduced to Denise, it was through email and I took one look at her media kit and wrote back immediately within seconds to her team that I would love to speak with her. I didn't need an intro phone call to know that Denise Cooper exuded leadership. We set up a call anyway, and I learned so much from our first chat together. Denise serves corporate clients of large midsize and smaller companies, coaches senior level executives to continue to succeed in a new or different role, assist high performers struggling with a new scope of responsibility, helps companies develop new leadership strategies during times of management, performance, structural, or business change, and works with individuals, departments, or management teams to enable them to simply perform better. Through one-on-one coaching, structured leadership training, coursework, team, or group workshops, or tailor-made curricula, Denise guides companies and individuals to elevate their game and maximize their company's performance. A review of her book says it all. I quote, her book answers the hard questions we all ask ourselves in our careers. How do I influence others? How do I get my colleagues to respect me? How do I present with confidence even if I don't feel it? No one in my life has given me these answers, which makes this book worth its weight and goal to me. During these times of change, I don't know anyone who wouldn't benefit from hearing what Denise has to say. I'll create some questions for her so we can dig a bit deeper into her book, Trainings and Coursework, to help shift your mindset to possibility thinking and perhaps some breakthroughs of your own. Be sure to look in the show notes for the link to her masterclass that begins May 17th called Change Terrifies Us. And without further ado, here's Denise Cooper. Welcome, Denise. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to share your knowledge and expertise in the field of leadership at a time when everyone could do with a refresher course on communication or thinking differently to really hit those breakthroughs that we're
1: all looking for. Thanks so much for being here. I am so honored to be here to have this conversation with you and to have all your listeners just kind of sitting back with a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or maybe bourbon and just soaking it all in.
0: That sounds lovely. Denise, you know, when we first spoke, you mentioned where your work began in the area of leadership, and whether we're leading a team in the corporate world, or working as a school admin, or superintendent, or even leading ourselves in business, what are some of the most important leadership lessons from your book that we should all know about to become better leaders?
1: Well, it's a Interesting question because I, people ask me this all the time. And the first thing I say, and probably everything about the book is, you matter. Too often leaders think they just tell stuff and people will immediately know exactly what you mean, be able to do exactly what you want them to do. And that's pretty much all they need to worry about is being really smart. So we focus a lot on acquiring knowledge, our technical knowledge, fundamental foundational knowledge, you know, those kinds of things. But we don't really understand that we matter in the equation because humans are social beings. They need that connectivity to rise above the adversities that life just presents to us. And adversity is not like, you know, you got a saber toothed tiger chasing us or anything like that but it is about, you know, we're trying to be successful. We're trying to take care of our families. We're trying to have a good time while we're doing all of this and we are social beings. And so everyone really does matter.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, how much do you think leadership comes from understanding ourselves first? Do you think that's a huge part of the equation before we can lead
1: others? We've got to be comfortable with, with who we are. I think we, let's put it this way. I think if you want to be an effective leader, then that is definitely a key. But oftentimes we just kind of fall into leadership. And so Mm -hmm. others will be following us for many people before we recognize that, oh, I'm a leader. And that's particularly true for women and people of color, marginalized people, Mm -hmm. is that we don't often see people or understand and feel the impact of our leadership until we suddenly realize that we are the leader in the room. We are the influencer in the room. We actually can contribute in a way. And so if I'm, uh, the way we think, the way we've been socialized is one of, you just have to do things. You have to perform to be a leader. You have to perform to be successful. Then we get focused on that. And we forget that performance is a interactive sport here, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a leader. And it is about the dance between you understanding what I'm saying and what the end result is and me working with you to create the psychological safety that allows you to bring your real self, your full self to the table and perform at your highest levels. So I think a lot of it has to do with the way we've been, we we define what a leader is as this person who just tells everybody, when in actuality, the most effective leaders are not people who tell folks, but help us discover how we can be better.
0: I love it. I love it. And in section one of your book, you talk about becoming a change leader. So how can a leader incorporate some of the important social and emotional skills that I've actually built this whole podcast on, you know, like self-awareness, knowing ourselves or social awareness, you said, you know, the dance between other people, getting to know our team members. How do we use these skills to create change as a leader in our organization?
1: Well, so let's kind of step back a minute. What is change? Change is going from one state to another. But as human beings, we like a couple things. One, predictability. So if I'm gonna change, I need to know what the change is gonna be. Well, translating that in leadership is, that's vision describe what it's gonna be like when we get to wherever it is we're trying to get, the performance, the place, whatever it is. So first I need to understand and have a clear vision. The second piece of it is, is that I need to understand as a person, as a leader, person with a title of leader, I need to be self-aware about myself so that I understand what triggers me, what causes me to not be open and to not be able to embrace new ideas and embrace different kinds of people with who might come with different ideas as well as what my impact is to others because of who I am. Just my plain physicality, my presence because presence is more, is about 55 to 60% of how we communicate as humans. Mm -hmm. How you stand, how you look, do you smile? Do you look approachable? Do you look like you're stern and I'm not able to get next to you? And so is it, so if we think about the change agents Change agents are people who can help other individuals move from one state to another, one level of performance to another, an organization from one level to another, or a different state in general. And so you as, as a leader, you have to understand how to how to manage that tension between predictability, where am I going, and the other thing is vulnerability, I might fail if I don't do what I've already been doing, Mm -hmm. and I might have a different idea that you may not accept. And so acceptance is the other piece of, as a leader, we have to understand, and that those components are kind of the foundation in my mind and in my work of how you change organizations, you change groups, you change people from one state to another. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And I'm thinking about like, let's go back to vision. So Mm -hmm. having a common goal that our organization is all working on. How do we make sure that every single team member has the same vision inside if we can't see inside, you know, like maybe somebody just doesn't believe that 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 goal is possible, but you don't know if you're not inside their head. How do we make sure that every team member has the same vision? Is it just drilling the vision, or what would you say?
1: <laughs> well, communication is a dance between uh, between us, based on um, the feeling of acceptance, belonging, kind of thing. Mm. And so, it's not about telling people, but it's really asking people. So you might have in your head, and you can explain, hey, you know what, we're, we're headed on to a trip, and we're going to head to Chicago. I'm currently in, Sh- in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to head to Chicago. And I can explain what it's like to get to Chicago all I want. But how do we get there? So instead of me telling you how we're going to get there, why don't I ask, what is the best way you think we can get there? Mm-hmm. And people will engage differently when they're confident, oh, well, you know, the, how fast do you want to get there? Um, how, what, what's the experience you want to have on the way to get there? And so they will engage in those kinds of questions. People who are not quite clear or not quite caught up with the vision of going to Chicago will kind of go back and say, well, well why are we going to Chicago? Right. Question of doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Question of what are you talking about? Or, well, yeah. when we get there, what are we going to do? what would I be doing if we get to Chicago? So even before they say enthusiastically, well, how are we going to get there? What does it look like? How's it good? You can feel the hesitancy if you ask open-ended questions that really you don't know the answer to. And, and that's basically, so what do you think? What, what would we do when we got to Chicago? Well, I don't know. Why am I going Right. Why? Why should we? Well, I've got 15 things over here that tell me I need to get these things done. Where does Chicago fit into that? Well, that's you know, I I take that as, oh, you haven't quite committed to this idea Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that we need to go to Chicago.
0: Wow. I love that idea because it's hard to to see what people are thinking and feeling as you're on a mission.
1: Yes. And, And it's a constant battle. It's not a one and done. I mm. tell leaders all the time, I said, um, think of your favorite singer. Mine happens to be Tina Turner. And oh, so I think, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I can you not know. love her, right? But I just um, read,
0: isn't, isn't she, we, she just came in the news this morning. She's, she's not doing well as of
1: this oh, morning. Please don't break my heart. Oh, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry. But just think about it. Yeah. Uh, how many times has she sen- sung Proud Mary? Yeah millions of times, probably (laughs) over the life of her career. But every time she sang it, it sounded the same. You felt the same. You got that emotion. In fact, when you say Proud Mary, you have a certain reaction of, oh, yeah. And you can almost visualize her dancing and shaking and going through that, right? Yeah. Well, think of it from her perspective. Do you think she ever got tired of singing Proud Mary? Mm-hmm. because she said it so many times and often leaders will change what they say because they're they're tired of saying it well the problem is is that we don't adopt ideas one and done and and like that it's a process to change and you've got to say the same thing over and over and over and over sometimes for years to get people say it you have to find refreshing ways to do it You have to ask questions that make sure that people are following you, that they're committed, that nothing has changed in the environment, that you need to adjust where we're headed, what the vision looks like. But you gotta sing Proud Mary as long and as often as your entire career of who you are. And it's the words that you say, but it's also how you behave. One of the things I tell leaders all the time is, I might listen to the words you're talking about, but you gotta trust that your behavior, the way your feet move, that's what's really important to me.
0: Wow. And it's funny that you, you mentioned Tina Turner because the speaker that I worked for back in the late 90s sent me once on an errand, we were in New Orleans, and he said, You gotta get me Simply the Best. And it was at a time when I had to go to the store and buy it, right? There was yeah, no yeah. downloading it from the internet. I could have done from my hotel room. He gave me, like, I don't know, a hundred dollar bill and said, Go find it in New Orleans. And I'm like, Where do I find Simply the Best? But he wanted that track for to open his seminar on that day and sent me to go figure it out because. That would set the tone for what he wanted. He didn't want any other opening song. So yeah, setting the tone for what we expect of our employees or our team members. That's an important message. Yeah. Denise, as we grow older, we can look back on our path and it's interesting to see where we all started. But also recognize like you've mentioned that there's many marginalized groups like women or people of color or the LGBT community or maybe others that I haven't mentioned that have been left out of the picture. So Mm -hmm. how would you help diverse groups like this to feel included and help them to step to their next level? You know, I just know it took me quite a few years to get the confidence that I knew I was missing to be a woman in business. And I know your message would help others who might feel that stepping to another level might not be for them or that they don't belong, or they're not as connected as anybody else. I know that you can show them that this isn't the case. So what would you say?
1: Well, the book is filled with stories, particularly of, of uh, women and people of color, um, LBGQ. It's uh, so I've tried to bring in all of this deal in, and and help them see that this feeling that you're talking about, this feeling of being confident, this feeling that I belong. So belonging is different than being included, you know, being included there's the saying now is is that, you know, I got invited to the party, right? Mm. Belonging is feeling like I'm welcomed, that I have a social connection in terms of where I'm at. And that I that connection allows me to be who I am well partly what what has happened in the way we think about diversity training of any sort is that there's some people who are bad and some people who are, are just victims of bad things that happened the system happened or people who are just clueless and have no intention of it well that created a lot of trauma in people and that trauma has, trauma has been passed down and so these Behavior such as, um, you know, I'm not welcome or I have to work twice as hard to get half as far. These thoughts, these ways of being are stuck in our brain. And so they also become barriers to us ever feeling like we belong. And so I, I say every culture has three things characteristic to it there's the, the, uh, the leader or the person who kind of sets the vision, mission, follow-up, those kinds of things. There's other interactors, employees that that are there. But there's the structure, and structure is often called culture, Mm -hmm. of fitting in in that. And so if culture means that you have to come and fit in with me, then I'm never going to feel safe enough to bring my full self to Mm you. But if I can question you and not be talking about fitting in, but how do I build upon the culture? How do we create a culture where we're building towards an idea that different, different people, different ideas, different ways of being are actually included? Well, now that's a, that's a very different vision mm-hmm. than culture fit. And the idea that we want people to plug in and our HR systems are all built on this. You have to fit into us before we pick you to join. Yep. And so this, this dynamic of we have a structure that's constantly saying you have to live up to what we say means everybody is less than their full self. Mm-hmm. And for people who have lived their entire life, their ancestry, which is all about proving that I am equal, it just triggers fear in them and it keeps them from feeling psychologically safe enough. To bring their full selves here so they never could belong no matter what the structure says and so we have to change our language it's not about culture fit it's about culture build it's not about you plugging in but it's about you helping us connect ideas and our behavior our work our ourselves so that together we all rise It's having the freedom to say, but it's also being comfortable enough to know that you can say, even things that might be a conflict or doubt Mm -hmm. in a workplace that people are gonna go, okay, yeah. And I understand human beings well enough that it doesn't matter what the different idea is. There's gonna be a reaction and a trigger based on the fact that you presented a different idea and we all react somewhat differently, right? And so both sides have to understand how human beings interact, how the system itself creates these places where we don't always connect well. When we can do that, I can fix me. You can work on you. And we have a system that supports us figuring out what we need to do together. Then it works. That's when belonging actually happens. That's when you see innovation happen. That's where you see businesses that grow because they have the the chemical inertia inertia, the catalyst in their organization to be able to pivot when the market pivots Mm -hmm.
0: oh this just is bringing me back to my time in the corporate world a little Mm -hmm. bit and um i hope none of my former managers are watching my podcast but i'm sure if they tune in they'll recognize what i'm talking about so um, when companies merge, it often creates like a toxic environment. People aren't happy with the merge. They like the way it was. And I know that a lot of people are going through this right now. I can yes. see yes. it and feel it. And I always join these committees for bringing in new ideas to try to help with the change. Things that I learned in the seminar industry and you know, I attended a lot of workshops in the past on personal growth. And so I was always trying to bring that into the corporate world. And I even tried to bring social and emotional learning into the curriculum that we were selling to schools. And it was just I was always the this person that was way out there. And a lot of your ideas would if somebody was in there that kind of could like meet me halfway and say, well, you know, let's test this out, but it was just, Andrea was way off all the time and I just didn't fit. So I'm just trying to think about people in a corporate space right now that might have some ideas, ways to pivot, you know, where do you think self-help has gone wrong in the past? And where do you think companies could kind of start embracing people with crazy ideas like I had to make change
1: for these problems. Oh, my God, you said so much here. There's <laughs> like 22 questions in there. Yeah, I know, I do so let, let me, let, let, let's start at the beginning. So yeah. let's, let's take those people with crazy ideas, right? Right. Generally, crazy ideas come from our ability to have a, a network of, of information that comes into us and then we take something from a different realm and we apply it to where we're at now. So yeah. do we have absolute absolute proof that it works in the realm that we're in now? No, we don't. And other people haven't spent as much time researching, learning, practicing as we do. So you know, we have this feeling of, Andrea, I've got this really great idea. Oh, well, I think you really need to give me a, a chance of doing this really great idea. Well, the reaction of, of Andrea is, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, where does this fit? How does this go? What are we doing? Whoa, 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 back up, back up. We've got all this stuff. And so it sounds like to me that you don't agree, that you don't trust me, mm. that you're not going to give me a chance. So. What I say, what I t- coach my clients to is, it, yes, research the idea, learn what you're doing. Think about, think about how it would apply. But instead of bringing the full idea in first, bring in a small part, part of the idea. So at, start helping people envision something different. Mm. Help them see how that success is going to be. Going back to my trip to Chicago. What would it be like if we got there? What's wrong with where we are now? Why do we even have to move? Do you think it's a move? You know what? I read this great article about, you know, self-help about, you know, now we're talking about us and burnout. Well, burnout happened, you know, the conversation about burnout got hot because of of quarantine Mm -hmm. and people working just harder and faced with so much emotional challenge. Well, now we're having a conversation around the emotional challenges that burnout brings to both us as human beings, what it does to our body, primarily our brain, which it actually shuts our brain down. And one of the quotes you'll find in the book is, if you can't see a way, what you see is what's in the way. Mm -hmm. And when you're in burnout, the only thing you see is what's in the way from you being from where you are now to where you want to be. The only way to get out of that is through social connections. It's through us having a conversation about, hey, this is where we are. It's about using tools like you're talking about. Breathing, it's it's magical. We don't think how, how magical breath is, but breath, when we're in trauma, when we're troubled, when we're being triggered, actually disengages the, the nervous system, sympathetic nervous system, and allows the brain to kind of poof, wake up for a minute. It's why taking a nap works. Mm-hmm. Because- <laughs> All of these things that just take tell our body, relax, calm down, so that our brain can begin to see new options for finding the solutions instead of being focused on the obstacles that are in the way. So for new ideas, start with helping people envisioning that there's a better place to be. Then ask them if we could find a solution, is it worth us figuring it out? then now let's have a co-creative conversation about how we could figure it out, how we could test it, how we can make progress, how would we measure it, who would we need to bring into this so that we build a team of people, a, a tribe of people who are now moving with us so that we get the momentum to make the change last.
0: Oh, Denise, where were you in like 2008 <laughs> when I was trying to present these ideas and I jumped to straight to like, let's start doing this. and <laughs> The looks on their faces and, and nobody's forgotten because I run into people and they're like, oh, there's Andrea. <laughs> I wonder if she's, what she new things she's up to these
1: days. So, well, you know, I, I hear, you know, people ask me that question all the time. It's, well, oh, my God, where were you? Well, mm-hmm. I can't take all the credit for being smart here. What I, what, because this whole idea of understanding the, the body, the brain, the body, the hand, the heads, hand, and heart, all of this is relatively new information that's coming into the, to the, the market itself. Mm-hmm. And we've, we're just now getting to the point where the work and this idea really started in like 2004, this interconnection of, of positive psychology you know, Martin um, uh, oh, Siegel's ideas. Yes, his ideas of stuff. And now we, you know, we've got Stephen um, Porges talking about the vagal theory, the polyvagal theory, I'm sorry. But all of these ideas are just now starting to coalesce because of the hyper speed that we're in of change. We've never seen change happen this fast. If you know, we, we're kind of in the fourth re- industrial revolution uh, of sorts. And what it is, it's going to be characterized as speed. That's gonna be the hallmark. You know, there's the, you know, the first one which was mechanization and then there was automation and then there was the digital, getting the chip that, that allowed this. But I think this is going to be the, the time of how do human beings deal with speed? How mm-hmm. does our body interact with speed? How do we create safe spaces because of the speed of change? And that's gonna be the biggest challenge for businesses in the future.
0: Oh, I like that. I like the progression that you did through time. So thinking about all of this, you talked about the importance of relationships. Why is collaborative thinking a leader's best problem
1: solving skill? I know that's in your book. Yes. So, you know, stepping back again on it, a leader's job, if you have to build it up or, or excuse me, if you have to explain skills, it's about Um, connecting. So it's connecting with myself. It's connecting my ideas with who I am and what I think should happen. And it's connecting to other individuals. It's really understanding what is their motivation and what are their triggers. Then it's about communication, but the communication is designed to foster trust, to reduce fear and, and foster trust so that people can move. They can begin to think they can begin to build together. They can believe in what it is that we're saying we're going to move forward towards. And so collaboration is really about this idea of how do we get different people, different ideas, different thinking in the room so that we can collaborate because collaboration, the essence of the word is to um, work with the enemy. But instead of the, in the enemy, it's about working with different people people, people who have a different position, people who are not necessarily on the same side we are, to help them come into the fold so that we can co-create something that didn't exist before. So that's the thing that has to, we have to think about. Connect, communicate to build trust, and then co-create, co- collaborate to co-create. Those are the three things that we have to think about as a leader and collaboration is really about taking ideas from other people and bringing them together. Jack Welch said that if he was the smartest person in the room, mm. then somebody in the room was redundant. And we've twisted it and you've heard other people say, you know, I don't, I'm, you can't be the smartest person in the room, et cetera, et cetera. But what I want to say is this, it's not about you being the smartest person in the room. But it is about do you have differently smart people in the room? Do you have other people who are are just as brilliant as you in their technical field Mm -hmm. and have the ability to work with you and collaborate to co-create something that's brilliant?
0: Wow, because when we can offer our ideas and they're accepted and then they shift around, that's when the magic happens, right? Absolutely. And we all know
1: that feeling mm-hmm. of being in the room when the ideas are just kind of going, oh, what the possibilities, where can we go? And then when we put the structure in place to allow that idea to be birthed over time and we begin to measure and see what's going on, that's when we all get energized and it's hard to break that momentum. It's hard to break it.
0: Oh my goodness. This is powerful. So powerful. Denise, now that we've dove a bit deeper into the topic of leadership in the workplace, what would you say would be an important call to action for all of us to think about? Where do we go from here?
1: You know, I I think it is, um, Wow, that's a really a good question. I, and I think it really is, we have to step back and see where we're at now. We live in times where the level of fear is so high around the world. I mean, it's not just a US thing. This is a global thing. We've got the issues of the pandemic. We've got issues of people feeling marginalized for so many different reasons. Like I'm not good enough. And that's what marginalization really does to us. It, t- it gives us this thinking of, I'm not good enough. You don't welcome me. I'm, I, and and it, it just lays on our triggers about fear and insecurity. And so I think where we go from now is, is that we really have to stop and rethink, how do we work together in this time? What are the old ideas that we had that just don't work anymore? You know, you mentioned um, schools. Schools and HR have something very unique about them. They've been around for a little over a hundred years and they yet to have changed what they do. Mm A hundred years, we have the same thinking about structure and learning and being together and instead of rising up and incorporating this new knowledge, we're just hunkered down trying to make the old the same because we have so much change. We have so much doubt. We, we don't understand how to be with people. And, we, and when people make a mistake, we're not so quick to learn how to forgive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've forgotten that we're humans and that humanity is what binds us, not perfection, not performance, but our ability to be with people who are not necessarily like us and accept the fact that they may think differently, they may have a different lived experience, but that doesn't make them a lesser person. That doesn't make them less valuable. Mm -hmm. What that does, if we can shift our thinking and see that differently smart is the only way we're gonna get out of this and embrace differently smart, Mm -hmm. then what we're gonna do is continue to struggle in the the valley of fear. And we're gonna allow our fear to marginalize us more, to keep us from surviving better, from moving from survival to thriving, And it's just gonna keep us in a place where we're gonna turn out numb. And numb is not the human experience that we want. No,
0: not at all. Not at all, Denise. Well, I, I wanna thank you so much for these snapshots of three decades of experience in the corporate space. I know that you've got a place on your website for a workshop, a masterclass that you're doing coming up May 17th for people that might want to learn more. We'll put the link to the, to that in the show notes when that becomes available and we'll direct them to you. But um, it's called change terrifies us, which makes sense. It's why when I was talking about these weird ideas, I saw these eyes bulging out, like nobody wants to do anything new. But um, can you talk a little bit about what you're offering in your masterclass and perhaps some of the workshops and and programs you have on your website to help overcome some of the fears that we have
1: as we go through this change? Absolutely, and thank you for letting me um, talk a little bit about that. So let me start with my website. My website is basically a place for information. If you really are interested in trying to explore and see how I can work with you, To make change something that is working in your organization then feel free to you know connect with me let's have a conversation it's all semi-customized material that we come up with so there's no box per se that people go into other than the box of you're a leader how do we how do we engage and embrace your team so that you're making the kind of progress that you want and how do you measure that so that you know you um where people are going but it also also manages your ability to predict where things are going, which is one of the problems we have. We can't predict with the speed of change. Now, the master class, one of the things that's happened, particularly since the book has come out, but even before then, is I've been, um, I've been concerned that we're talking about leaders changing. We're talking about changing cultures. We're talking about workplace cultures. We're talking about, you know, how can we create a place where humanity lives. And yet the people who are the keepers of the humanity part of it, the culture, culture, not culture fit, but culture build, is really the structure put in place by HR. And as I mentioned before, we haven't really changed how we think about HR, the function in over a hundred years. I don't see, I see people talking about disrupt HR which is great, we wanna change things, we wanna to toss it. But I don't see a lot of people talking to HR people about what they need to do to elevate the function and to bring to the organization ideas that are going to make everyone's ability to feel like they belong, to think differently, and to manage the speed of change so that everyone can win, so that we can adjust to what this new normal, if, there's a, if that's a thing. To this new normal. So the class is designed to help HR people envision what HR might be, to see what triggers them and what they need to learn, and then how to measure change in the organization in general. How do you know that what if we change, if we're if if we have feedback systems, whether performance systems, et cetera, how do we know they're working? And what would it look like? if we actually started having conversations about what the true role of HR is. The hundred years that we've been together, HR has been there, HR is actually the instrument of the company to protect the company. Mm -hmm. And they protect the company against the victims who might sue the company. And so as long as HR is there to protect the company from its employees, from and protect bad managers, from the impact they have in the organization itself, then no matter how much you and I and every other employee out here might say, the right thing is, is that people should be counted, that everyone matters, that um, we all can accomplish accomplish what we want if everybody's in it, that we wanna be a place of belonging, but as long as the structure and the system that holds it in place remains the same, Nothing changes. Mm -hmm. So the class is is for senior HR people and leaders who are really wrestling with this idea that what they want to do is create a new structure where change happens, people feel belong, that it doesn't take 236 years for women to find equity in the marketplace, where all these ideas of people are equal and that what we want are smart people who can come and contribute, where that really does live. And how does that look in the corporation? And so we're gonna give out some tools. We're gonna to help HR people figure out where they're at on the paradigm, what leadership means for them, but also how to measure what, it, what this change process would look like.
0: Well, Denise, I think what you're doing is incredible. I'm so grateful to have met you. Just some final thoughts of how we can all take remarkable leadership into our lives. What would you say just to close out, what message do you want
1: to leave people with? I think, you know, everybody matters. You matter. You may not feel like you matter, no matter what your circumstance is. You may not feel like, that you have the power to make any changes. But each and every one of us does matter. Each and every one of us is a leader. We may not have the title leader, but each of the, every one of us influences someone in our sphere of connections. In these times, begin to practice self-care. So some of the things you mentioned earlier about learning to breathe, understanding what are your triggers, understanding who you are, Set a vision for how you want to show up and how you want to make a substantive change. Because in the end, the one thing we all have that is similar to each other is the fact that we want to matter. We want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to know we're relevant.
0: True, true. I love it. What a wonderful message. I want to thank you so much, Denise, for your time today and your book, and your wealth of knowledge. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for the opportunity, and thank you to your listeners for kind of sitting around, and chit-chatting, and having a cup of coffee, or a cup of tea um, with us. I hope it was enjoyable for them.
0: Have a wonderful day, Denise. You too. Bye-bye.